Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, Mambo, Italiano, hey, Goomba. <laughs> what in the world? My husband. All right. So we have been getting some questions, and I laugh every time I say that because we have a friend. Uh, his name is Darren. And he says, why does everybody... He's, he's not on Instagram, really. He's like, why does everybody say... Hey, people ask me all the time. And I was like, they don't say that. And now all I hear is people saying, hey, people ask me all the time. And, and, and his argument is people are not asking all the time. That right? That's his argument that that's just like a fake way to share information. Well, we have people a People always ask me. We have a slight difference of opinion. People do ask us a, a lot of questions. And uh, that is one of the things that we're going to talk about today. And... Uh, so, you know, look, it's it's interesting now. We are exactly uh, 10 days into 12 days, something yeah. like that, into yeah. living in a new country. And we're getting all sorts of questions and, and comments and they range, they cover the gamut. And so we try and pick... Uh, questions that we think is going that are going to help you the most. And the one that we got in recently is... Yeah. So this is from uh, one of my Instagram friends, Jacqueline. And she basically is asking us to do a fry date on money. And let me specifically read it. Okay. So if you guys need another idea on... Uh, for your podcast, how about a fry date on money? I love how you guys figured out how much you need to live your dream life and then reverse engineered it. I would love to know how you guys save and budget. How do you guys save? Or do you save a percentage of your income each month? Do you have separate accounts? And how do you get past your money ceiling? So I thought that was a great question because, you know, 
your goal may not be to move to Italy. Although I have to tell you, a lot of you have been commenting on our posts and uh, texting us and messaging us in community and DMs and all of that, that this has been so inspiring. Uh, Our move has been so inspiring that many of you actually do want to move to Italy, which I think is awesome. Uh, But even if if it's not your ultimate goal, whatever your goal is, the strategies that we used to... Um, get ourselves here, I think are applicable kind of across the board. All right. We'll talk about budget first. So I think the best way to explain this is to give some context to how we came to doing our budget in the way that we're doing it. So uh, I was out with some friends of mine in California and we had dinner and you know, they were talking about some different projects that, that, that they were working on. And I was I was feeling probably... I don't know, left out or, you know, just wanting to be a part of it saying, you know, you guys are working on this million dollar deal and that million dollar deal and I'm not. And so I said, well, you know, for this year, and it was at the beginning of the year, for this year, I want to make uh, 2 million bucks. And so my friend Chris challenged me and he said, why? And I said, because I, it's... Because everybody else is doing it. Because it's a lot of money. And he said, yeah, but what are you going to, why do you want 2 million? And that led into a, uh, a, a Zoom session the following day with him explaining in more detail about why having an arbitrary number like $2 million where it wasn't assigned to any meaning other than it's a big pile of cash um, is not a great way to go. And so... He said, okay, look, let me walk you through an exercise that I think is going to be valuable. So I'm going to walk you guys through this. And what I suggest that you do is when you can just re-listen to this. I know a lot of you listen to it in the car or the gym or whatever. Um, You don't have a pen or paper, but either remember what I'm saying or go back home, open a notebook and do this. I want you to open up a, a notebook or a computer and write out your current budget. And when I mean write out your car, your current budget, I mean everything. The gym membership, how much money you spend per week, how often you buy clothes, you know, if you know that you spend, you know, 500 bucks every 3 or 4 months, then, you know, that's $2000 over the course of a year if you do it quarterly, divide it by 12 and come up with numbers for everything. Like look around your house, look in your drawers. What do you spend on at, iTunes? What do you, all of the things, right? Every, just everything. Don't leave any stone unturned. And when you think you have everything, ask your spouse or significant other to say, you know, wh- what do we spend money on? And you'll get answers. So the point is... Are they looking for a monthly, an annual? What are they looking for? Ultimately monthly, but you can okay, you monthly. can you can obtain it annually and divide it by twelve yeah. or quarterly and multiple. You know, okay, you get but the, the goal is monthly. The goal is monthly. Once you have that number, I promise you that number is going to be way more money than you thought it was going to be. How much you're actually spending? It's going to be. It's going to scare the shit out of you. You're going to be like, oh my god, I didn't realize I spent this much money. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take out a new sheet of paper and I want you to dream. And I want you to write down your dream life. Now, I'm not talking 10 years from now, I want to have a private jet and I want to have 17 homes. I want to be Elton John, you know, have a home in every major city. I'm talking about the next thing that's ringing your bell. Like for us, the next thing that was ringing, you know, 
If it was two years ago, it was moving to Southern California. If it's recently, it's moving to Italy. Those were the things that were ringing our bells. Like right now, we're looking at you know a villa in Tuscany and things like that. So think about like your your dream life that like that next bell that's ringing in your minds. And when you get that, I want you to just paint that picture in your minds. Like Chris, uh, my friend who did this with me, said, "Well, I know you guys love to go out to eat, and I know you know you love to have wine. How much is it? How much are you spending now per week on going out?" I said, well, you know, it's LA, so it's expensive. I mean, it's 200 bucks when we go out for like Mexican food and margaritas. He said, so how often do you do that? I said, I don't know, two, twice a week, maybe if we're busy and we forget to cook or shop or whatever, it might be three times. He said, so would it be fair to say that your dream life would be to be able to spend $1,000 every single week of the year on going out uh, and eating and drinking wine and stuff? And I said... Would it be fair? Uh, it would be, you know, it would be overkill. Like I'd never spend a thousand dollars on that. He said, "Okay, we'll write that down." And so we continued to go down the list, dreaming. And he said, "Okay, well, what do you want?" I said, "Well, next we'd love to have a villa in Tuscany." And he's and he's like, "Okay, well, how much does that cost?" I said, "I could probably do it for a million bucks." He said, "Okay, when do you want the villa by?" And I said, five years." He said, "Okay." Do you want to do a mortgage or you want to do cash? I said, I want to do cash. He said, all right. So now that's $200,000 a year. And we're going to divide that by 12. And it's going to take you five years to do that. What else do you want? And I said, well, I'd love to have a Tesla. And he said, okay, which one? And I was like, I don't even know the names of any of them. Just the one with the doors go up in the air. And he's like, <laughs> he's like uh, okay, uh, how much is that one? And I said, I don't know, aren't they like 30,000? He goes, they're like 130,000 for the one you want. And I was like, okay. He said, well, do you want to get a, a lease on that? I said, no, I just want to I just want to pay cash. He said, okay, by when? I said, I don't know, I don't know two years. He said, okay, so now you've got, you know, uh, $60,000, $70,000 that you need to put away of your budget this year and divide that by 12. And so we started looking at it. And I started to get really clear really quickly what was important to me and what wasn't important to me. For example, when we looked at the villa, he's like, well, how important is the villa? I said, well, it's really important. We really want to have something that's like a legacy for our family. And he said, so would you rather have the Tesla and take the money that you're putting for the... Would you rather put the money into the Tesla and the villa or would you rather buy the... you know?" Uh, Actually, he said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you get your villa in seven years and just put all the extra money towards your Tesla? And I was like, well, I don't want to wait seven years for the villa. Five feels too long. He said, okay, well, do you want to work harder to make more money? Because there's, there's a price to pay, literally. Or, and I went, you know what? I don't give a shit about the Tesla, to be honest with you. So kill it and let's just put the money towards the villa. And so I'm giving you examples as you go through this process when you're dreaming. So I want you to dream how much money you want to spend on food each week. How many vacations do you want? And you'll know, it'll be like, oh God, I've always wanted a ski house in in, uh, the Italian Alps. So I don't know, whatever. The thing that is really something that's super important. And then when you get your dream life built, then you come up with your monthly dream life budget. Now here's the thing. When you look at your, your actual budget, and then you compare it to your dream life budget. 
Your actual budget is way more money than you think it is. Your dream life budget is way less money than you think it is. So for example, let's just say we'll use a round number. We'll use a, my number. Let's just say that you were actually spending 500 bucks a week on food, but your dream life was to spend $1,000 a week on food, right? So what you're doing then is you're adding plus $500 because you already have 500 in the, the regular budget. Now you're adding 500. So you look at the gap between your dream between your actual budget and your dream life budget. And when you come up with that number, for us, it was $650,000. Well, that gap wasn't. The total budget was the... Sorry, the total budget for our dream life was six hundred and fifty grand. Okay, so it was maybe another $200,000 more, $300,000 more, something like that, than the current budget that we had. Then I had that number and I went, okay, that's actually... I mean, it's still a lot of money, right? 650 grand is a lot of money to, to earn, but it was not 2 million. It was 650,000. And that included a villa in Tuscany and savings, which we'll get into in a minute. And it included saving for taxes and just basically included everything. So once we had that number, I got a whiteboard and I put that number up in uh, our office and I went, okay, 650,000. And the first time I got a check, I, you know, I minused it. So I went, you know, let's say the check was 10,000. 650, I got $10,000 that came in today. Okay, I still have 640 to go. And it gave me something very, very clear because I knew that once that number was hit, that I had my dream life. And so it gave me motivation because I was excited, because I was very, very clear about what I wanted for my life. And it made it not overwhelming. So then there's another part to this, which we can talk about in another podcast, which is your desire to continually move the bar once you hit that 650, then continues. And you're like, oh, fuck it, let's just make it 680. But then you step right into that, well, why? Why is it 680? Like what, like give me the exact reason. Okay, so what I like about this is that you're giving tactical advice on, just to recap, creating that dream life budget. So what are you currently spending? What's the dream life budget that you would actually spend if you had all the things you wanted within that, like, let's call it a two to five year period, right? So the realistic dream life, like what are you saying no to right now because of money? What are the things like, is it kids camps? Is it a, a vacation or a couple of vacations? Like what are those things? Make sure it's all included. And once you have that number, then it becomes the reverse engineering of that, right? So Yes, um, to, to get to Jacqueline's questions on savings, we have many bank accounts that we siphon money into for different purposes. So obviously we have savings accounts, we have Coinbase accounts for crypto, we have like we have all of those different things. We have tax savings uh, and we have we used to have travel savings. Like we used to take $200 a week and put it into a travel account and then that's the money we used we would just pull that money out literally in cash in, in travel or, or pay bills out of it for travel. So you can actually siphon into different accounts like that. It is a good idea. It is a great way to do it, especially when like if, if the vacation always seems like, oh my God, $5,000 is so much. But if you saved $100 a week for a year, you would have the $5,000 and it wouldn't, you wouldn't feel it 
each week as you did it. And so, yes, having those different little accounts to siphon money into works, but that's not the the real question. The bigger question to me is how do you reverse engineer that number? And where do you, how do you get past that financial ceiling? Like if you're used to making 50 grand a year or a hundred grand a year, like if, if you have a job, first of all, and you have a salary, you're not going to get a raise to double that, right? So you're going to have to go outside your comfort zone and outside that box and see what else could you do to create that additional income. And that's one thing. But the bigger thing is if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing something that you control, you know, or have unlimited income potential, then you have to get creative. And how do you fill that bucket, right? Like Rob, how do you go from, let's say 400,000 to 600,000 or whatever the number is? How do you reverse engineer that dollar number when you finally, you know, get it down on paper? Well, I want to I want to jump in uh, before we get to that point because I think I, I can't stress this point enough, which is uh, what you just brought up, which is what are you saying no to? And this what are you saying no to idea is really a double edged sword. For example, I was saying no to a Tesla, like nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend the money. But when push came to shove, and I put it down and I said, okay, I don't want to have a payment on it, and. I don't want to. Um, I, I don't want to wait three years to get it. So I want to do it in two, and then I had to look at the exact amount that I would spend for it, and I said, okay, well, I actually don't want. Even though I'm saying no to the Tesla, when push comes to shove, and I know the amount of work that I have to do to make the payment to accomplish the goal of having the Tesla in two years, I didn't want to do it. So well, it's not that this, important to you because it's not that important. So this exercise of taking the time, even if you're saying no to it, you may be like, you know, I want to have, uh, I, I want to have a, a villa in the south of France, right? And it's five million dollars, and you're like, well, that's my vision. That I'm saying no to that right now. Well, actually, put pen to paper. This is what business people do. They say, this is the objective. This is what I want. This is how much it costs. This is my path to get there. But when you do that with all these things that you're saying no to, and you're like assigning a time frame and an amount, and you're looking at all of them, you slowly start to realize what's important and what isn't important. And I, I cannot emphasize enough quantifying when you will have that paid off because that little piece of it, when Chris kept pushing me and he's like, okay, well, when do you want, the, when do you want that paid by? I'm like, I don't know. I just like, I'll just get, no, no, no. Tell me exact, what is your plan? Is your plan to just get a, a, a lease on this? Is your plan to pay it off in a year? Okay, your villa. Okay, yeah, we want to have a villa. I, I could see myself living there and I'm looking at it. Okay, how much money are you putting down? And when is it paid off? And when you actually put those hard timelines, it becomes really clear because then to your point next, Tomorrow, you begin to work on that gap between your current budget and your real one. And if you're not clear on why you're doing it, there's no motivation. All and right. and we're, the conversation we're having right now isn't the conversation of you're putting you know, these items on some vision board and staring at it 
and just hoping. This is a conversation of actually achieving it because what we did by reverse engineering a move to Italy is we achieved the goal (laughs) that we set and we actually took action on it. So this is literally for people, like don't keep saying, I wanna move to the coast or I wanna move and do this and then not take action because then it's just literally a dream, right? Like a goal without a plan is a, is a wish. <laughs> so you have to take the action on it. So this is step one of taking the action is when do you want to do it? How much money is it going to cost? And then let's reverse engineer that goal. So for Rob and I, we have always been huge proponents of multiple streams of income. So when one goes down, the other one goes up, we, we can look and go, okay, here are all the areas in our life that we can create and generate income. Where should we put our energy and effort to increase it to hit the goal? So, you know, we have the work hard, play hard events. We have, uh, if we want, we can always do a virtual mastermind. We have ideas to do an in-person couples weekend, you know, working weekend in Italy, that would be incredible. You know, that's kind of on the back burner right now. We're working out logistics. And then we have my network marketing income, like Rob has coaching. We have all of these little buckets of income that we look and say, okay, where do we want to put the energy and effort into increasing these um, potential sources of income with these e-commerce businesses or whatever we're doing? So we we reverse engineer the goal by having multiple streams of income and possibly creating a product. Like I'll tell you, two years ago, we did this. We were actually here in Florence. It was in uh, the fall of 2019. And we were moving to California from Italy. We had done four months here and we were on our way to California. So we sat down and we said, okay, we need to find a house. And I mean, it was imminent because we were moving. (laughs) Like October, we had a date and a plane ticket that we were landing in LA. So we had to find a house. So we're looking for a house, looking for a house. We found the budget we needed. We found a house that fit in the budget. And we looked at each other and said, okay, how can we reverse engineer paying for this? What product or service could we come up with that would actually pay this this payment every single month for us? And we created a virtual mastermind. And we created products like Rob and I are very intentional about the products we create because we only create and do things that we absolutely would love to do. Like the next one we're talking about doing is this Tuscany couples event, right? Where we'll bring a few couples in for a working weekend in Tuscany to reverse engineer their dream life. That's something we would love to do. And we don't just throw products out that we, that just, you know, will pay a bill because we're not into that. We want to do things we love. We value our time and we want to put it, uh, put these little things into place. So if you are an entrepreneur and you have a business, maybe think about, how could you expand that business? What's another way that you have not that play stupid idea time? What's a way that you could, uh, another vertical you could go into? Or is there a complementary business that you could start? Or if you're in a day job and you have a max salary, is there something, a side hustle you could start on the side? And you know, for us, that's where network marketing came in because we had a chiropractic office and we needed a, a, a side hustle that would eventually become, you know, the way we exited out of the Cairo office. 
And that's how network marketing came in for us because it was a it's a, it was a an, a vertical, I guess you could say, that already had a product, already had a marketing plan, and we just had to implement versus having to come up with something ourselves and and do all of the groundwork. We didn't have time for that, so we had the day job and we put in this side hustle. Once that side hustle became the main hustle, then we could start working on a podcast and we could start working on events, and then it and then it just created this multiple streams of income. So it's we're always looking for the next opportunity to solidify our financial foundation while at the same time doing things we love to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, for years I've always had this like, you know, I want to make a million dollars, then then you make it, then I want to make two million, right? So the two million dollar goal in the end was never motivating to me. And I never, I just continually did not hit it. But because the six, there's no why behind it. But the $650,000 goal was motivating to me. And I'll tell you why. It was motivating to me because I knew, and this is the piece that's, I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is the piece that I knew that legitimately, this wasn't a dream. This was, if I hit 650K this year, I am on track for my villa in Tuscany. I'm on track for $5 million in savings. I'm on track to make sure all the taxes are paid. I'm on track to make sure that I'm living a life where I'm spending $1,000 a week on food if I chose to spend $1,000 a week. I'm on track to be able to do uh, two months a year, uh, take eight weeks off and travel travel around the world. This was like all the, all the stuff that was in there. So getting absolute clarity on that is really important. Now I want to talk about savings because this one I got from my friend Darren. And this one's a really important one. So it's a pretty simple, um, it's it's pretty simple in principle for you to do. And I'll give it to you very, very easily. If you were to start, I don't have the exact numbers because I don't have my computer open, but if you were to start with a hundred dollars a week and did the following, every week you just, you know, you opened a, I don't know, a Fidelity account, a Charles Schwab account, one of these five dollar brokerage companies, right? And every week you set an auto draft to go into, and I'm not going to get like tied up in 401ks and savings. I'm giving you a principle. You can do it however you want to do it. Every week you take $100 and you put it into your brokerage account. And you purchase, and you can wait till, you know, you have five, 600 bucks in there or whatever. And you purchase three different stocks. One is VTI which is a Vanguard index fund where they're buying the, uh, the top uh, stocks in the market. The other one is IYR, which is a real estate fund where they're buying real estate. And the last one is you buy a tax-free municipal bond in the state in which you live. To give you an example, if you type in V like Victor, W like William, L like Larry, T like Tom, and X like X-ray, VWLTX, you'll come up with an example of what one looks like in Washington state. And you have to find out where yours is. Here's the point. The point is that you're never going to time the market. Unless Unless you're a hedge fund guy or you do this for a living, it's too difficult to be able to time the market. So he has equally separated his um, portfolio into three very, very simple categories. A real estate buy, a bond buy, 
and a stock buy. Stocks go up, bonds go down. Bonds go up, stocks go down. Real estate goes up, stock... You, you get the idea. They keep changing. And we've added one more to that portfolio, and that is crypto. So the, the smallest percentage is crypto. So you know Ethereum, uh, you, you know what all the crypto ones are. Okay, Those four things. So basically what we do is we started with $100 a week. At the end of 90 days, this is really key. At the end of 90 days, you increase the, the weekly amount that you are electronically pulling out of your account and putting into your brokerage account by 10%. So it's $100 for 90 days every week. And then it becomes $110 a week. And then you increase it 10% 90 days from then. Now, this does two things. One is it's not so difficult for you. To, if you're saving $100 a week, you could save $110 a week. Right? It's not that bad. They've done the math and they realize that 10% is within your comfort zone to not say, I can't do it. If I doubled it as an example, that might be a stretch for you. And you might go, I, I can't, you know, if you're at a stage where $100 a week is what you're doing, you're like, there's no way I could do 200, but you could do 110. And what happens is you unconsciously each week, you know, your life gets changed and you know that within the next, you know, 45 to whatever days, you're going to be going up 10 bucks a week. And so you start putting out into the universe. I need to make sure that I'm spending less, I'm making more, um, I'm making different decisions because this is a priority. The intention it, changes. The intention changes. Now, I remember when my friend told me about this and I was like, 10%, let me, let me do the math. And so we started running the numbers. And then I looked and I was like, shit, within, within like 10 years or eight years, whatever it is, you're going to be saving like, $7,000 a week or whatever the number was. I was like, how the hell are you going to do that? And he's like, I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. So now he's got a company that is a giant company that's worth a crazy amount of money that he would argue that the reason why his, his company is as big as it is, is because he built the company around the increase of 10% in savings. So he said, I am going to ride this baby as long as I possibly can. So the company, instead of making $100,000 a year, is making hundreds of millions a year. So he is able to save a ridiculous number every week because over the course of the last 15 years, he started with 100 bucks and increased it by 10%. So the demand... It, it, that your need, I don't know, your supply ends up matching your demand. If you know your, if you know your amount is going to go up every ninety days, you are and you're committed to it, and it's important to you. Then you're unconsciously setting the intention that this is what your expectation is, and so your supply will end up reaching your demand. And you, and and you know, the biggest hurdle because I remember when we started this. The biggest hurdle was looking five to 10 years down the road at what those numbers are, even for us. And I remember going, there is no effing way that this is going to happen. But now I look at the position we're in and the multiple streams of income we've created and what's to come for us. And I'm like, well, we're going to hit all those goals. Like, And it's amazing when the intention aligns truly with what you want, what you're able to actually create. And so if this sounds 
outlandish to you and like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to create a dream life budget and start putting all this money away and we don't have enough to do X, Y, Z now, that's the wrong attitude. That's where if you go back in our podcasts and you talk about and you listen to the ones we've done on manifestation tips, and I think we'll do that coming up as well, but um, we'll redo it, I should say, coming up. But that's where you have to put all of the pieces of the puzzle in place. You know, it's not just the vision board. It's creating the vision, creating the timeline for the vision, the budget for it, taking the action, reverse engineering it, and manifesting it. Like you can't just do one piece of the puzzle and expect your life to change. You have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and take action every day. Yeah. And the other part with the savings is it starts to be fun the other way because you start to look at the numbers. And yes, it gets really crazy as time goes on. But when you start to look at a number and you see, oh, wow, in 15 years, I've got $12.5 million, you start to go, holy shit, like I could actually do this. And when you when you automate the process where the money just comes out, in the beginning, it's like, oh, fuck. This is like, this is crazy. Like, I'm starting to save a lot of money here. This is really, really tough. The reverse starts to happen where you start to go, oh, I'm addicted now to the money coming out. And if, if I were to stop it, I feel like I'd go into a panic. I feel like I'd be looking like, oh my God, my future is over. I'm not saving for, you know, because it's true, right? You're not, you're not putting the money in. So the last piece I want to talk about is mindset. So, how do you begin this process? You do it like you do anything else. You start with baby steps, okay? So if you can't do... I used $100 a week because most people listening to this podcast, I would suspect, um, can come up with some way that they could do $100 a week. But maybe it's 20 bucks a week, whatever it is for you. Maybe it's 20 bucks, but I would also urge you to realize what your your willingness... You know, when when I listen to people who get out of debt... There's almost always a story of driving an Uber, delivering a pizza, doing something to pay the hundred dollars. Like you know, on Thursdays I'm driving an Uber. I'm going to take the hundred dollars, and that hundred dollars is going to be my safe. Like, like let's be there's real. a way. Like let's be real about this. Like if you wanted to come up with a, like you know if you wanted to, you live in a first world country. If you wanted to come up with a hundred bucks a week, you could figure out a way to do it. But even if you didn't and it was only $10 a week, it would be better than anything else. So look, there's, there's a mindset. Uh, there's a book on, on mindset that's a little, little cheesy. Um, I, I like listening to it on Audible. It's called the... Uh, the uh, what's it called? The Secret of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book because what he's doing is sort of like reprogramming your mind. Your blueprint, your financial blueprint. Look, we listened to it... Well, I listened to it six times in a row. I didn't want to listen to it. Rob trapped me in a car. I remember exactly where I was. We were in a car on our way to Mississippi to do an event for my network marketing company. And you said, we're listening to this book because I had the shittiest money mindset ever. Money doesn't grow on trees, like all of it. And that shit affects you and it affects how you do business. And so I had to get out of that crappy money mindset and into a a mindset of true abundance. And not just abundance, thinking that there was enough to go around, but also abundance in my own life and, and 
not thinking money was evil or or all of those things. So it completely resets your money mindset if you if you truly go in and listen. So it is a little cheesy on the audible, but but the, cheese, but it the cheesiness you actually remember. You but know, it's che- one of those things why. where it's it's not like like Tony Robbins wrote a book uh, called Money, and I love t- Tony, but man, it's fucking boring. Um, I felt like I was going to fall asleep with that book. This one keeps you awake uh, in its cheesy way. All right. So look, uh, as we wrap up, one, uh, come up with your actual budget. Two, figure out your dream budget. Three, create a savings plan that increases with uh, a weekly amount by 10% every 90 days. And four, grab the book if you're having an issue with um, money mindset. Uh, grab the book, uh, T. Harv. Uh, grab Secret, the book, Secrets, Secrets of, of the, the Millionaire, Millionaire Mind, Mind yeah. by T. Harv Ecker. And if you do this, uh, let me say, let me rephrase. When you do this, I want you to take a picture of how you how you do this. Like maybe you're going to sit with a glass of wine and create the dream life budget that you want. Take a picture, tag us on Instagram, let us know you're doing it because we want to make sure you're actually doing the things we're telling you to do or why are we doing this podcast, right? There you go. Hope that helps. Keep the questions coming in, by the way. If you want uh, us to answer your questions, if we think they're going to benefit... Uh, the entire audience, then we will occasionally, not every week, but occasionally we will answer those questions and send us a text too. Yeah. And you can actually text us and become part of our text community by texting us at uh, 310-388-9724. That's it, everybody. Have a great day. And by the way, I learned that you can't say ciao all the time. They don't like it. It's in the morning. It's buongiorno. In the evening, it's buonasera. And uh, Chow is like uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit here and there d- during the day, but don't overdo, don't overdo the Chow. Don't overdo the Chow. So, buonasera or uh, no, arrivederci. Actually, in this case, Chow is probably better because arrivederci. It's okay, arrivederci. Nice. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 